Today on Solving Water, a Xylem podcast, my colleague Carolina Tornese McKinnon guest hosts a live conversation recorded in Stockholm, Sweden with Hayati Akardish, Senior Vice President and President of Xylem Europe, Water Infrastructure and Global Services, and Annabelle M. Rayson, the 2022 winner of the Stockholm Junior Water Prize. Listen in to hear more about her exciting project that advances harmful algal blooms and some of the ways that Xylem is taking an active role in driving interest and awareness of water issues in young people. Here's the show. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Carolina Tornesi McKinnon. I am a senior product management at, um, at Xylem, and I work for our treatment team and just recently our dewatering team. And I also volunteer as the World Youth Parliament for Water President, which is a youth uh, action and advocacy program trying to get young people involved at all levels. So really water is close to my heart and I'm super excited to be helping host this podcast. Um, Annabelle, you want to introduce yourself? Um, sure. Hello, my name is Annabelle Rayson. I am a 17-year-old student entering grade 12 from Southwestern Ontario. I have just won the Stockholm Junior Water Prize for my research regarding um, the treatment and prevention of harmful algae blooms. And I am incredibly passionate about water science and water justice. Awesome. Thank you. And hi, Adi, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Well, I want to first congratulate uh, Annabelle for winning the prize. Thank you. Yesterday, that was a fantastic event and an amazing project you've done uh, along with uh, other national winners. So uh, hi, everyone. I'm Hayati Arkadesh. Uh, I'm with Xylem. Uh, I run the water infrastructure business globally um, and also Europe uh, for Xylem. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah, so congratulations. It's quite the honor to win. Um, how do you, how does it feel to win? How are you feeling? Um, well, first of all, thank you very much. And I am incredibly honored and uh, very gracious and absolutely overwhelmed as well. Um, but yes, very honored to be able to not only represent Canada here, um, but to also um, bring us home the win. Um, and I am incredibly honored as well to be here with all of the incredible finalists from around the world. Everyone was, uh, their projects were amazing. And it's really amazing and wonderful to see people taking action to create differences in their communities through um, the realm of water. Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's quite inspiring to see. I saw you guys all walk in with the different flags and everything. Um, so it's quite the global group. So why do you think it's important to get young people involved in water? Um, absolutely. Well, water is a vital yet finite resource that is essential for life and biodiversity. Humans rely on water as a source of drinking water for recreation and tourism, for agriculture and fishing, and for other economic and employment opportunities. And of course, its beauty and wonder cannot be debated. Um, so essentially, as young people, we need to be able to design our future and uh, create the planet that we want to live on. And so one thing is we need water to be able to do this and to survive. So I think it's very important, not only that, but young people have uh, this curiosity and creativity and passion and drive. And I think if we're able to apply that to water issues um, as well, not only within the water science realm and climate change, but also water justice and water equity, I believe we can make some significant changes. Yeah, absolutely. I really couldn't agree more. And it's inspiring to hear um, you're really involved on the technical side, but also um, on a little bit of the advocacy side, I can hear that with water justice, equity. Um, so wow, super cool. 
Um, and Hayati, the Stockholm Junior Water Prize was created by Stockholm International Water Institute in 1997, which also happens to be the year I was born, <laughs> So, with Xylem as a founding sponsor. So something special was happening that year. Uh, why does Xylem sponsor this prize? Well, it was obviously a special year. So <laughs> we, we have you now with Xylem, uh, and we are proud to have you, Carolina. And, and, and I'm so inspired by uh, our young students like Annabella who, are, who care about the pressing issues that we face uh, in the world and water being one of the biggest ones. Uh, the way we see it, I see it, the future of water is in the hands of youth. Uh, I mean, these students like Annabella are committed to addressing major water challenges like scarcity, water scarcity, uh, affordability and resilience of our infrastructure, particularly under a huge stress of, of cl climate change. And uh, we at Xylem are committed to engaging, uh, inspiring and working with youth to solve these pressing issues. So that's why uh, Stockholm Junior Water Prize is precious uh, and close to everyone's heart uh, at Xylem. Yeah, I think it's really cool as well. It, it targets a younger group that aren't always involved or invited to the conversation because Stockholm World Water Week is is quite the place to experience. It's my first time as well. And you're surrounded by scientists, academics, advocates, young people. Um, so I think it's a, it's a great thing to sponsor and, and quite the opportunity to hopefully continue in your career. I mean, you've started here, you can only go up. <laughs> Um, so Annabelle, what are some main water challenges in your country? Um, and also if it's specific to Ontario, where you said you're from, feel free to talk about that. Ah, well, um, so in Ontario, one of the things our um, Great Lakes and other freshwater ecosystems are facing is the invasion of invasive species. For example, zebra mussels and Bythotraces uh, the or the spiny water flea. Um, they're caught wrecking havoc on our aquatic ecosystems and our um, other fish populations as well. Another issue that we face, again, is the issue of nutrient pollution and eutrophication and, um, of course, harmful algae blooms, as well as issues of decalcification. In addition, in Canada, we do have some issues on our Indigenous lands um, where the Indigenous peoples, they don't have clean water access and they have bo uh, boiling water um, warnings right now, which is um, a bit of a huge issue because how can we live in a G7 country and not have clean water access for all of our citizens? Yeah, it's a... Pretty shocking fact. And uh, I grew up in Michigan, so we we border and, and share some of those lakes. And I remember zebra mussels being a huge issue and continuing to be. And now I live in upstate New York on a lake and zebra mussels just got introduced last year. Oh, no. <laughs> so very relatable. Uh, not in a good way, but uh, we're in this together. And for you, Hayati, so you grew up in Turkey in the countryside. What were some of the water issues you faced? Well, as uh, Annabelle said, and you said, Carolina, uh, water challenges don't know boundaries. So it is not only in developing countries, it's across the world. And we witnessed that with the recent challenges that we faced in Europe and other places in the world. Um, I spent first 10 years of my life on the northeast uh, part of Turkey, on the mountainous rural part. Uh, growing up in a family of, of six, um, uh, I can tell you water, clean water and sanitation uh, were not available on the menu that we, every day when we woke up. So as a family, 
uh, you know, the first task for my, my mother, my mom, myself uh, was to walk about 500 meters uh, every morning and go and fetch the water for the day. Uh, so that that uh, that stayed with me. Uh, that uh, inspired me to uh, dedicate rest of my career to uh, help with my seventeen thousand colleagues at at Xylem, uh, to contribute solving some of these uh, major issues that humanity faces all around the world. So that's my memory and what I uh, took from my childhood from Turkey. Yeah, thank you. And it's interesting that something happened so long ago has really continued and inspired you to 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 achieve what you have professionally and to continue to work in water uh, and to solve it. And since you talked a little bit about how these, you know, water challenges have affected you personally, Annabelle, how has some of the water challenges you talked about or haven't yet uh, affected you or your family personally? Um, so growing up in southwestern Ontario around the Great Lakes, I do have a great appreciation and respect for our um, water and our environments. Now, um, what happens is with harmful algae blooms in southwestern Ontario, often they come up and occur. And what happens is many people, for example, if you want to go swim in the lake, you can't do that due to the toxins, um, as well as it shuts down water treatment plants and, of course, um, has great economic impacts. Um, my father is a commercial fisherman, and many commercial fishermen in Ontario, there are certain areas of Lake Erie um, in the summertime that they're not allowed to actually fish in or go to um, because of the harmful algae blooms. In addition, I recall reading some articles about communities around Lake Erie, and there's an estimated $274 million Canadian dollar loss to the Lake Erie economy over a 30-year period if nothing is done to treat and prevent harmful algae blooms. So it um, generally kind of affects all of us collectively. Yeah, no, that was a, a lot of good information and data and especially bringing it to that financial piece, um, which generally drives, you know, our policy decisions and our government. So thank you. Um, so if you don't mind telling us a little bit more about your project and I mean, you talked about what it was solving, but maybe kind of how you came up with it, uh, just more detail. Um, absolutely. So my project focuses on finding a way to treat and prevent harmful algae blooms. Specifically, I wanted to use a more natural solution, as the only solutions to harmful algae bloom treatment and prevention are currently algicides and toxic chemicals, which while they kill the algae, they kill everything else in the lake, um, which is just as bad. Um, in addition, one of the issues with harmful algae blooms is hypoxia. So once the algae decompose, they absorb excessive amounts of oxygen, um, removing it from the environment, and which causes fish kills. And so yes, the algicides will kill the algae, but the algae still have to go through that pr uh, process of decomposing and again, hypoxia still occurs. What I looked at was um, the first year of my project, I compared different species of freshwater zooplankton to find out which one can consume the most algae. From that project, which I called Munching Madness and Innovative Analysis of uh, Zooplankton Biomanipulation for Algae Bloom Prevention, I found that Daphnia magna was the ideal freshwater species for this. And then from that, I did my project this year, Plankton Wars and Innovative Analysis of Daphnia Genotype Biomanipulation for Algae Bloom Prevention, where I compared different genotypes of Daphnia magna to find the one that would be most efficient so we can streamline the process of biomanipulation and ensure its success. And as we know, freshwater ecosystems and the Great Lakes are very dynamic, and so there are many different environmental factors which um, could help or hinder the ability of the Daphnia magna to treat and prevent the algae blooms. So I did environmental condition testing with calcium carbonate, naturally occurring aquatic microbes found in pond mud, um, microplastics, and nutrient pollution. And I performed, so it was a total of five experiments for one, a total of 195 tests. 
Wow. <laughs> that is very <laughs> impressive. I mean, I'm just trying to take it all in. Um, that's just incredible. And I think that your, your scientific process and tackling such a close to home problem. Um, so why did you decide to focus on this? Was it because, I mean, you mentioned your dad was a commercial fisherman, so water is uh, a part. I'm just very passionate about water and I'm always reading news stories and I, um, kind of going uh, like in the pandemic, I, well, I always do science fair every year. I've done science fair since the fourth grade, always on projects focusing on environment and sustainability and conservation. Um, and I always, I do love water, so I try to go with a water theme. So after reading more about the issues of harmful algae blooms, I set up to try and find a solution. Awesome. Um, do you have a, maybe a past science project that could have inspired this or maybe a favorite one? Oh, wow. That is a tough <laughs> question. <laughs> I mean, I will, you got me very curious. Fourth grade is a long time. I mean, I will always be very, very fond of my grade eight science fair project, de-icer distillery, an innovative um, approach to ice ro winter road safety, where I basically created, um, I distilled my own ethanol methanol uh, road de-icer using kitchen compost to work on the issue of waste reduction, as well as to um, the road de-icer, I tested it to ensure that it was environmentally friendly and non-corrosive, and then compared it to different road de-icers. And that was the first time, well, um, and first year I could qualify for the Canada-wide science fair, which is the national science fair in Canada. Uh, there I met some of my very best friends, absolute favorite human beings to walk the earth. Um, and I got to travel around Canada and meet, again, incredible people. And that was actually where I first heard about the Stockholm Junior Water Prize. I was sitting, uh, the way it works in Canada is um, in the senior category, so grade 11s and 12s, they picked the top three water-based projects to go on for additional rounds of judging. Um, and then from there, they picked the top person to come here to the Stockholm Junior Water Prize. And I remember seeing the three people called up to the stage and sitting in the awards ceremony. And I remember looking at my mom going, Mom, I want to be one of those people. Um, so I, I do look on that project quite fondly because it was it was a hoot and a fun time. And again, I got to meet uh, some of my best friends today. And I, it's just continued in uh, my passion for science fair. But then again, I do very much love Munching Madness and Plankton Wars since it's just so fun to have Daphnia experiments in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> I sure takes up a lot of space too. <laughs> um, but no, that is incredible. I mean, eighth grade, like such such vision and like using compost to tackle such a real issue. Um, wow, I'm so impressed. I mean, for context, uh, I did science fair and mine was about how toast molds. Um, so it was nothing really to that level. <laughs> um, so anyway, what's something that you learned while developing your project that surprised you? So if I th anything. think the most exciting finding, so this was when I started um, jumping up and showing Eureka and doing happy dances in my kitchen as I was manually performing the algae cell counts. Um, so with the issue of eutrophication, that's when too much nutrient pollution enters the waterway and it stimulates algae growth so they grow out of control. So you'd think when you do a test with nutrient pollution, while the Daphne would be able to reduce some of the algae, it wouldn't be super successful or re uh, reduce as much because with the nutrient, it would increase and stimulate the growth of algae. Well, from my research and findings, the um, I, in science, you always do a control, right? So you have a condition without the nutrient pollution and a condition with the nutrient pollution. And what I found was that the Daphne magna genotype that I was using could effectively treat and harm, uh, harmful algae blooms and prevent them in the nutrient pollution condition just as well as they can't without. I believe it was a 94% algae reduction. 
um, which kind of shows that we don't have, in this case, we don't have to worry about eutrophication as much as the Daphne Magna Genotype 4 can and will treat and prevent harmful algae blooms just as well in uh, eutrophic conditions as in non-eutrophic conditions. Incredible. I feel like this research is I, like... I can listen to Anna, Annabelle the whole day. Basically, so. <laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm just, I'm really so blown away. Uh, so we'll move to you, hi Adi. Um, what are some of your takeaways from the prize finalists uh, and, and what kind of projects they were bringing and really also anything that Annabelle said? It's been just a flow of information. Look, I, I, I am more confident than ever. Uh, in the future of, near future of solving pressing water issues when I meet young students like Annabella and other national winners uh, this week. We had the honor to meet uh, 50 of them uh, earlier this week. Um, we actually hosted them at our facility in Stockholm. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, uh, Annabella talked about uh, the project she did at the school uh, when she was at eighth grade. I think I was just chasing football balls when I was in eighth grade. So, so that, that's that's a, a huge difference uh, about uh, the young generation that cares about what matters in the world. That's my biggest takeaway, Carolina, from this week. Of course, uh, our laureates from uh, Water Prize and multiple stakeholders that I had the chance to meet uh, give me a huge hope that... Um, we, that, that threshold is being crossed, uh, that momentum in the world is being created to uh, go and tackle some of these critical issues. So uh, I'm, I'm extremely uh, inspired. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so it was a good segue. You, uh, you mentioned that they traveled to our Stockholm labs yesterday, I believe. Um, so how was that? It was absolutely incredible. So I'd never actually heard of Xylem before I officially got into the program, and I am blown away by the incredible work you folks are doing. Uh, you're in, the building was stunning. All of the uh, professionals and colleagues there were so kind, and I really appreciated your, I guess, um, interest and encouragement of curiosity. Quite often, like in the school system, curiosity squashed a little bit. But I remember um, I had asked a question and one person was like, here's what I think the answer is, but I'm going to go find someone who can get us another answer. And then more people were coming with answers to questions and they kept growing. And it was just it is it was such just a lovely environment and incredible experience as well for us. So I'm very thankful for Xylem for all of their efforts and contributions towards us and helping the world become a better place, especially regarding um, the water realm. I'm so happy you had such a positive experience. It sounds great. Um, and right on the money. <laughs> Let me get someone else, see if they can help. Um, do you think you'll continue working on water issues or climate? Or I guess where is, do you think your passion will take you? Um, absolutely. I think I will always be passionate about environmental science and especially the water realm and water, uh, water science and water justice. I do have one year left of high school, but afterwards I'm thinking of studying environmental science along with statistics and economics, and we will see where that takes me. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad that you're staying on the team. <laughs> I think we need people like you. Um, so, Hayati, uh, globally, what are some of the major global water challenges that we face? Sure. Um, water is life. It's essential to life. Life started with water. Um, I mean, it's, it's critical to the delivery of 
uh, other vital resources that we all need, like energy and food. Um, and sustaining civilizations depend on availability of um, clean water and, and more and more sanitation. Um, and, and global demand for water uh, continues to grow, um, but, but supply uh, is not. Um, I mean, usable water, clean water is under a tremendous pressure uh, ever uh, driven by overpopulation, urbanization, uh, pollution, aging infrastructure in, in many countries. Uh, but, but for me, those challenges, uh, really, if I want to boil down to three things, it is the scarcity of water uh, that we face uh, around the world. Um, the, the inf our, our inf resiliency of our infrastructure, our infrastructure suffered from uh, over, you know, ever increasing demand, but climate change now is putting significant more pressure uh, on our uh, infrastructure and, and affordability. Uh, even in some developed countries, uh, water bills, um, make up a significant portion of uh, take on pay for uh, particularly the, the bottom quarter owners, uh, uh, earners in, that, in those countries. So um, those are the three major challenges, uh, Carolina, that, that, that we need to be focusing our energy, our talent, our young talent, and the whole ecosystem to, uh, to resolve them uh, and, and in our lifetime. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and Xylem's mission is to solve water. So what gives you hope that these issues you've just highlighted, um, we're able to overcome them together? You know, to, to solve um, issues that I just uh, tried to summarize in the scale and the complexity therein, they, they bring with them, um, solving these problems will take um, multiple uh, institutions, governments, NGOs, schools, universities, uh, the whole ecosystem, our youth, uh, like Annabella, students to, uh, to, to work together because no single institution, a company or NGO will be able to solve these problems. Uh, it will take technology. Uh, it's a complex uh, ecosystem, the water system um, and our networks. Um, the good news is uh, the most of the technologies we need, they are here. Um, we are uh, blessed uh, at Xylem that um, uh, we have a number of these technologies, but we're not the only one. Those technologies are available, digital technologies, mechanical technologies. Um, uh, the key, uh, Carolina, I think that, that we, we should focus our energy, the whole ecosystem is how do we bring all of us together uh, and turn it into action. It, it is time to call all the participants for an action to go in and solve this. Yeah, absolutely. Action, implementation, and we can do it together. Um, so I have a question for you both. And I think I'll start with Hayati so then Annabelle can finish this off as, as she's really the guest of honor. <laughs> um, what is your message to young people about the importance of water? And we'll start with you, Hayati. Um, number one, um, care about it. It, it is, um, our CEO Patrick Decker says, there are two finite resources that we have. One of them is 
water. The other one is time. So use your time as we all have limited time. And a question is, you know, generally how long time we have left on this earth. Use your time on solving some of the key critical issues that we have that humanity faces. And water is uh, arguably one of the two. The other one is, is, is climate. Uh, so that care is, is critical. Um, and, and then the second one, I think, is um, don't feel like you need to solve all these by yourself. So we are here. Uh, there are uh, amazing institutions and uh, NGOs and governments and universities uh, who are ready to uh, help you. So ask for help and you'll get the help. So care and ask for help. Thank you. Um, I, I, I feel like that's a really good way um, to pass it on, you know, to you're not alone and and you already care so much. You've been doing so many projects. It's so obvious. So so what would be your message? Ah, well, um, that is a bit of a tough after, act to follow, Hayati, but I would probably say don't be afraid to take those first few steps. No matter what you do, quite often, I guess, as a youth, it can be, feel overwhelming. Like there's so many things and how are we ever supposed to actually go and do something? Any effort towards improving what uh, solving water is effort. And I, um, and when all the small little efforts build up, it becomes one big effort and one big movement. So I, I would say don't be afraid to take the first few steps because you will find people just as passionate as you are. And you will even inspire, motivate, and encourage others to follow your footsteps and do the same. So my advice would be don't be afraid to take those first few steps. And to um, paraphrase Albert Einstein, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who sit around and watch it happen. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. What a great quote, too, as well. Um, we do really have to tackle this this water crisis that is either here or coming, depending on your definition. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. Have no fear. Um, so thanks to both of you, Annabelle and Hayati. Um, I'm just going to close the session now. But again, really inspiring work you've done, Annabelle. And thank you so much, Hayati, for your time and, and giving us, you know, the, the re we can lean on you. We can lean on an older generation to help us as we take our first steps. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for having me. What an impressive young woman with an innovative project. I especially love how her father served as her inspiration for tackling harmful algal blooms. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in and a special thank you to Carolina for hosting this episode at the Stockholm Junior Water Prize event in Sweden. More information about the Stockholm Junior Water Prize and the winning project is included in the show notes. And don't forget to reach out to me, Amanda Holloway at amanda.holloway at xylem.com or on LinkedIn with story ideas or feedback. Thank you.